Hey, this is Sean Leary, and this is QC Uncut, your source for uncut, uncensored, unlimited, unedited conversation with local newsmakers. Hosted by me, your charming and delightful host, Sean Leary. And today my guest is Louis Armstrong, as you can hear in the background. Um, he's only going to sing for us for a brief time. But while Louis is singing in the background as our musical guest, we're going to talk to Doug Kutzley, hey. who is a local actor, raconteur, comedian, <laughs> and man about town. Gad about. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, you know... I'm also here with the notorious Tristan Tapscott, <laughs> scouting out new locations for our uh, sex trafficking That's franchise right. here in downtown Theo's. That still is my favorite rumor about us of all I time. I, I it's, the, it's the 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 allegedly we ran an escort service <laughs> through the the basement of the Argus building, which you know again no, neither of us remember. So you know it must have been quite uh, quite eventful. But uh, yeah, I don't know how that one got started. And, I, I do, but uh, you know how we don't started? need to talk about it right now. How the rumor got started. <laughs> I found that out. What that's, is that on the men's room? You'll have to tell me that off the record here. That's that's yeah. That that still is like one of the most amusing rumors to go around. So anyway, but Doug, uh, you know, Doug was he had no part in that. He was he only, he only stood at the he only stood at the door and checked IDs. So, <laughs> but. <laughs> Aside from that, Doug, how's it going? It's going well. How are you? How's everything going here with you? I mean, this you're, show isn't you're about guy. me, Doug. This is about you. This is about you. About you. This is, I'm just the host. Everything, I, is, everything is, is okay. Yeah, everything is good. We're um, we're hip deep in the Christmas Carol, being Scroogey this time of year is uh, that's my job. That's what I'm doing. So. You're playing Scrooge in a Christmas Carol. I am. Yes. And what about it? I wasn't aware that there was a Christmas Carol. You know, did that really happen? It does now. It is now. Okay. It's happening now. Yeah. This is, it, is it a new show? It's a. It's a. Who's this Scrooge person? <laughs> You've never heard of that? Explain well, the story to me. I don't think oh, I've ever heard this. Well, let's um, see. <laughs> there was one of those things that the kids are into nowadays. It is. It's like the Instagrams and the Facebooks. Uh-huh. Um, uh, yeah. There was this guy called Charles Dickens, and he lived, I don't know, a couple years ago, and uh, he wrote this amazing story about a guy who was sort of a. Did he blog it? I don't think he blogged it. I don't think it was more of a, I don't know, it was it was a novella. You know what a novella is? It's not that chocolate hazelnut spread. That's different. <laughs> That's Nutella. But it's the same kind of thing. But anyway, it's a great story of a guy who starts out and uh, not many people like him. And then through some... Because he didn't invent the hazelnut spread? He. That's right. That's right. They use They wish oil. that he would have. They use palm oil in that. You're not supposed to eat it, you know, because they're killing the rainforests or something with the palm oil. I don't know. I hear. I read things. They're killing your palms. They are. They are. If you have oily palms, you're doing something that I don't want to know about. Anyway, um, so he he, uh, changes his ways because of some things that happened to him, and he becomes a better person, which is a lesson we can all take, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, except for you. Because you're as you're as best as you could be right now. Aw, thanks, Doug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a little halo of of light. That's you know. Put a sound effect in there. It is a little sound effect. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because now Louis Armstrong has left. You know, he's ungrateful that I didn't let him pass him the mic. So, um, I think best of all about the show is like the fact that we're living in a weird time, and like you see this character go from you know extremely bad to great, and that kind of gives us all hope that everyone can maybe change throughout the course of the time. I'm not saying that 
about so it. So you're saying that in this production, Scrooge is wearing a MAGA hat? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's all hope, isn't there? That maybe, maybe everyone will have a change of heart this holiday season? That actually would have been an interesting staging of the production. You know? Oh, I'm sure it exists. I'm sure somewhere somebody's done that. Put a red wig on him and, you know? Yeah. But it's just, you know, it's funny how the story really does, it does, like, resonate at any given time. But especially right now, I think we all kind of need that, that moment of, like, oh, there's hope in everybody's lives. You know what I mean? And that's, that's the cool thing about the show. Because the world never has a shortage of assholes. That's what you're saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Scrooge is an asshole, isn't he? He's, he's kind of a jerk. Sorry for, the, sorry for not warning folks ahead of time that, you know, there's going to be a little a salty language. Spoiler alert. There's, I'll, put that, I'll put that in the disclaimer at the front that, you know, we describe Scrooge in a disparaging fashion, which is tied into a, um, a body part. So, That's right. And it's, really it's not a finger. Is what he is. He's, he's more he's misunderstood. Yeah. Doug, explain the motivation for the character and, you know, your method acting in regard to this and your deep psychological analysis of Scrooge. Uh, well, let's see. Um, yeah, that's about it. No, uh, <laughs> profound, Doug. Profound. <laughs> there's uh, there's a lot that goes on with with Scrooge. Um, I've taken the opportunity to read the novel many times, and through that, I've created a character. I hope that that shows not only uh, a, a man who's not just angry, because people play Scrooge as being this angry guy, a stingy, angry guy. And he is that to a certain degree. But there's other things. There's layers, like an onion. Mm-hmm. There's layers. And so uh, Scrooge is like an, an onion covered in Nutella. Kind of a... a that doesn't sound that bad, actually. <laughs> you deep fry that, and I would probably have that. That would be good, yeah. Iowa State Fair, take can note. We, can we get that here? Copyright Sean Leary. I want royalty. <laughs> yeah, of course. Uh, I think uh, I came up with both of those ideas, but that's okay. We'll talk later. 60-40? Um, <laughs> maybe? Uh, so, at any rate, um, what I try to do is then... Uh, to inject some uh, humanity into the, the character of Scrooge, because there's things, there's reasons why he has, he is the way he is. All of us have a backstory. We all come from different places, and and Scrooge is no different. And why is Scrooge the way he is, Doug? For those of us who, well, I've seen this thing a bunch of times, but okay, for those of people who may, those are the people out there who may be listening and going, I have no idea what this Christmas Carol story is. Why? Why? I have a vague idea of it and i talk about it sometimes but you know what exactly is it well you know what is scrooge's problem doug he has many um again he he was uh he had a relationship that uh that didn't work out when he was very young that can be a profound thing something that he left behind of his own choice that he may regret he has regrets about other things he pushes people away because he doesn't want to be hurt again uh so he becomes a very solitary kind of character uh but somewhere deep down inside he is a human and he has a humanity and you have to believe that because if you don't uh something very special happens at the end of the show where he becomes a different person and that reformation can't happen if you don't believe that it there's something in him that can actually make that happen um it's interesting because of all the people in scrooge's life uh, he, he has uh, a nephew that you see during the show who comes and, and tries to make friends, and he pushes him away. Uh, there's other people that he has in his life. And uh, of all the people that 
the one that actually starts to dent the armor is actually a young crippled boy that he meets just by chance and that's uh that says something about it because uh he's that's the humanity that i was talking about he has to he has to um sort of admit to himself that he has these feelings i think he sees something it's tiny tim if you didn't know who i was talking about the crippled child is not not the playing 60s long-haired guy (laughs) See, I thought that I was going to go to the show, and I was hoping to hear tiptoe through the tulips, because I heard there was tiny that Tiny Tim was on the show. Yeah, he is. He is. But, is he? Uh, back <laughs> what? He's back, He's from, back the from the dead. He is. Yeah. There's a lot of back from the dead in this show. There's a lot of yeah spirits and ghosts. So what you're saying is that Scrooge is kind of salty because he had a bad breakup when he was younger, and he spends most of his life kind of bitter about that. And then um, through Tiny Tim's ukulele music, he finds love again. Yes, yeah. I mean, anyone who's lived through the '60s would know that because I think there's many people who found love. Free love in the 60s through Tiny Tim's music. Now, how much did all the tulips in the show cost for the set? I, so, like, when Tiny Tim comes out and plays and you can tiptoe through them. Does that, was that expensive? I, I don't know because, see, I'm, I'm an actor. I don't, I don't ask questions about the set because uh, and that's, that's not my gig. You'll have to ask. Kristen, was that, were the tulips expensive? Very. Except for I stole them. You just you're just adding for reasons to, for people to hate you, Tristan. He went out to the cemeteries in the area and there, just like Doug, took, you're really, you're really it, took, on now. took took uh, random people's flowers off the cemeteries Look, and if I uh, control the narrative of any of these stories. Then I'll say I stole the tulips from Fresh Grave. <laughs> I, I like how you hesitated there. You're almost like, should I say it? And then I should I admit it? And then I said it. I know you did. You did. We're all having fun here, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> so, Doug. Yes, Sean. Uh, now, after now after Tristan stole uh, flowers from people's gravesites to populate the uh, the set of your ill-begotten show. So he's a grave um, robber now too. Is that what you're saying? He's a grave robber. Let's start that rumor. Okay. <laughs> Okay, all right. Chris Tristan's a grave robber. Yeah. Yeah. Spre- yeah, spread that around. Okay. Um, so, what was it like working for the grave robbing, flower stealing Tristan Tapscott again? Now, you and I have worked together on shows, too. We worked on a show called Rock City Live, which is another show that, you know, people tend to forget. Um, that it was a sketch comedy that we did ju- just th- just three years ago, Doug. <laughs> just three years ago at, at the Speakeasy in downtown Rock Island, um, and it was uh, it was the Quad Cities version of Saturday Night Live, was it not, Tristan? That's what they called it. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's what we. That's what uh, the local media folks called it. Quad Cities version of Saturday Night Live, 2015. Doug was a part of that show. I was. And you were also part of Shots to the Heart, which was another sketch comedy that I wrote and directed. So, what are we going to talk about? Me now, or you, Sean? We're going to we're, we're talking about me. We're talking about me and first, Tristan. Okay. And I are just going to like take no, this okay. over, Doug. So, so now that you know, who did you sleep with last night? Because <laughs> I really, I think I think the world wants to know, Sean, who who you bedded down last night. Let's 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 leave Gwyneth Paltrow out of this, Doug. Oh well, you know. <laughs> Listen. 
It takes two people to steal that many tulips from grave sites. <laughs> Three if Tristan actually comes along. So <laughs> I'm helping you guys out here with the set of your show, and this is the kind of crap I get from you. This is what I get. This is what I get, Doug. This is the treatment I get. I'm just trying to help you out. And, you know, you've got interesting. a dead awesome. 60s star coming back to play the ukulele in your show, and you just want some freaking tulips. And, you know, you wake Gwyneth and I out of, you know, a post-coitus slumber to like help you go tulips. out to <laughs> hello uh, hello I, I, I. okay so anyway um so tell me about working with danny white i think we know what it's like to work with tristan so well at least rumors go so <laughs> what's it like working with danny white he's very mysterious he well he, there aren't many rumors about Dan, are there any rumors about danny white that i'm not aware of no, of any. He's actually pretty pretty decent dude. He's on tour with Lion King right now, actually. He's the associate conductor for that. There you go. So, yeah, he's doing really well. He's making those Disney dollars. He is. So, you know, why? what's it like coming back, you know, having the guy from The Lion King come back to, you know, work with you here, Doug? Well, um, what's I, it like? I, I worked with... Do you ever call you Simba? He does not. No, he does <laughs> Just not. Just by mistake. A lot of stuff going on, but on that. Um, no, I, I mean, I worked with Danny the first two years that I did Scrooge back in 2012 and 2013. I mean, it's his score, and, and he, you know, he's a, a genius of sorts. And uh, he's very particular about his work, which is good because it was something that uh, then prompted me to want to get better at uh, at performing the this sort of complex musical score that he has created and so uh you know but he also was very open to things like when i said please can we get together and do put in some extra time because i was feeling that i needed it and uh he was very willing to so he said yeah sure let's get together and do this so i like working with danny uh and uh i would do it again you know if if uh they need someone lion king I, I could be a giraffe or maybe a rhino or something or, or like, I don't know, a marmoset or maybe, I don't know, something like that, a Kawadi Mundi, something, I don't know. You know, I think, don't you think? I see marmoset in your future, Doug. Yeah, yeah. I'm some sort of marsupial of some sort, I think, with a prehensile tail. So, let, so let's, now on that note, let's rewind to a young, a young Doug Kutzley or a younger Doug Kutzley who decides, I want to become an actor. I want to get into acting. I want to get into performing. Tell us about your life. Like, when you first started out, were you always, you know, a precocious young lad who wanted to get into performing? Or was this something that, you know, you decided to do later on? Uh, I wasn't really a precocious child. Uh, I did come from, I'm the youngest of the family of, of all boys, and except for my mom. She was a woman, or is a woman. She's still, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, I think I have to clarify that. She still is. You know, well, you never know. Um, I mean, when I saw her last, she was still a woman. Anyway. Um, you're, not, you're not discounting any no, special I'm, changes or it's, surprises it's, could come Christmas. No, it's, uh, it's you, almost... You bring the ham, and I've got something to talk to you about, Doug. <laughs> That's right. Um, so I really wasn't that uh, precocious. I was kind of not really shy, but, uh, you know, I, I wanted all the attention because I had to, you know, sort of make that uh, make them notice me. Uh, and so... 
you know, uh, my brothers and I uh, would do things like uh, we would create little shows for relatives and stuff at Christmas time, and we'd do little skits and sing songs, and I learned to play the guitar. My dad taught me how to play guitar and stuff, so I would do that. So, I mean, I started performing just in that stuff when I was a little kid. Um, I told this story earlier today. I might as well tell it now again. When I was in second grade, uh, I was going to do the the yearly second grade music pageant or whatever it was. And one of the songs that the second grade graders were performing was Where Oh Where Has My Little Dog Gone? And they were singing it. And so I stayed after class one day, after music class, and I went to the music teacher and I said, you know, I, I could be that guy, the sad guy who lost his dog. And she's like, well, we're just singing a song. And I'm like, yeah, but, but I could do that. I, I, I could be that guy. And she thought about it a little bit and she let me do it. And so I was this little tiny guy with a, my little bow tie on and a leash with no dog on it and walked around the stage like I was very sad. And the rest of the, my classmates sang, where, where is my little dog on? And that was, and I got done at the end and people applauded and I went, wow, now that's the attention that I've been seeking all along. And so that was my very first like acting gig. How much of that motivation from the little dog being gone do you bring to the role of Scrooge, Doug? Absolutely all of it. Okay. Absolutely all you of it. And the Scrooge, in addition to having a bad breakup, also lost his dog. I, I actually equate the woman that I broke up with with the dog. So they are. <laughs> That's kind of disturbing, Doug. It is. It's it's the same. It's the same thing. It's um, you know, I don't think as an actor, I think you bring all of those experiences. Every single role you've ever played should come along with you in some form, so that you can draw. On those things, um, so sure, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm still that sad, sad man who lost his dog. <laughs> Only now. I hope you weren't a man in second grade. Uh, that would be I, that would be I was sure. playing a man. Okay. That's why they call it acting, Sean. It's <laughs> talent, my friend. It's. <laughs> I, you know, you just don't. <laughs> you know, you just don't. You got to be. You got to be the character. So. Um, and then, you know, th- through high school, I was in the musicals and the plays and all that stuff. Which uh, What were your favorite plays to be in? What were your favorite musicals to be in? And which ones did you just hate? <laughs> I don't know as if I, I ever hated anything. Um, there are characters that I like better than others. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to be as much in the moment whatever show that I'm in and I love the process I love the process of starting with sort of nothing but the written word on the page and then at some point you bring that word to life and with the the help of hopefully with the help of a director and whatever you can you can actually become that that character and um, so I don't really hate it, hate any of them. Some of the best ones that I've played, Scrooge is definitely one of my favorites. It's one of my favorites, uh, which is why I'm doing it again, because I think there was things that I didn't do before that I'm hopefully bringing to it now because I was able to look back on it and say, oh, yeah, I would like to do that differently. Uh, other great ones, um, I just got done with a show at Circa 21 a few months ago, uh, Bridges of Madison County. There's a, I played the role of Charlie, which is the wacky next-door neighbor in that show. And I love that character. He's, um, he's sort of the, he and Marge, his wife, are the, the comic relief of the show, if there is one. And he's got a wonderful song. That was a great role. Um, so I don't really dislike any of them. Um, acting is what I do. I finally got a chance to 
retire early from my regular job as opposed to my irregular job. I don't know what that means. Anyway, um, uh, and then at that time decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to go do some of the things that I really wanted want to do with my life, with you know the brief time that we're here and have left on the planet. And so... Um, so I did. I went, decided I'd be an actor and play music and do the artistic stuff that I've always wanted to do and, you know, starve in the street, mm-hmm. which is where I'm at. Is right. that working out for you, Doug? It's working out really well. I'm <laughs> sitting here with Sean Leary talking into his palm of his hand. So and you say, my life's not working out. Because so. that palm oil. <laughs> that palm oil. Palm oil in his hand. Is that is that tea tree you have on there? What is that? It's a delicate but alluring aroma, Doug. I don't know about the alluring part, but <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah, it's um, you know acting is what I do, and and I I enjoy I try to enjoy it all. There are frustrating times, um, most of the time when I'm working with Tapscott, <laughs> but uh, he's an evil taskmaster at times. But uh, that's what I've heard. Yeah, generally speaking, uh, he's usually. I hate to say this. Do I? Can can we whisper this? He's generally he's generally right about stuff. Don't tell him because I don't want him to know that he's right. Because you know, once once he thinks he's right, then he's going to be he's be like, he'll be. You can't live with him. You have to tell him not to listen to this. Don't listen to this podcast. (laughs) Join join the rest of most Quad Cityans and don't listen to this. Well, you could edit all that out then, but um, this is never edited, Doug. This never is edited? that's the whole the whole point of it. It's juicy, uncut. uncut. This is oh, uncut, unedited, uncensored. Yeah, okay. I, I see you were paying attention when I introduced the show, Doug. No, I did. Uh, I just um, I just forgotten it already. That's all. Putting your flask away and that's like, right. oh, I'm gonna need three belts for this one. I'm old, so I don't need to pay attention anymore. Say something interesting, and I'll pay attention. Sorry, that was a little screwed. Wait for that. Yeah, wait for that, Doug. <laughs> wait a while. Um, so what's it like? Um, what do you enjoy more? You seem to be more in dramas than in comedies, dramas and musicals. What do you you know like about each of the styles of acting um, and, you know, dramas and musicals versus like comedy and comedic acting and stuff? Well, you know, despite what everybody thinks, comedy is very difficult to do. It's very difficult because everyone's idea of what is funny is very different, which is something we learned from Rock City Live. (laughs) (laughs) Which we did, yeah. We actually learned that not everybody thought everything was funny. Well, and it's what's weird is like you go from from night to night and one audience will laugh at some of the stuff and the next night the exact same stuff will just thud. And you realize that. That's the cool thing about theater though i mean yeah. from night to night it's a different experience even in a drama mm-hmm. i mean the what the audience gets from christmas carol on a friday night will be different than what an audience gets on saturday night it just depends on how it hits them and that's the cool thing about theater too is you get to affect people differently but in real time mm-hmm. so like you get to feel that you know i know doug and i've both been in shows where one night it's a huge success and then the next night you feel like a total failure so i mean that's kind of the the, the ebb and flow of show business a little bit just well, yeah, like any live performance, you're seeing something unique. I don't think people like stop to think about the fact that you'll never recapture. No performance is ever exactly the same, and you'll never recapture that particular moment. Which is why it's like interesting as a performer or as a director, producer, whatever. It's like watching the the reaction and the interaction between the audience and and the crowd. Theater's a living being. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As much as as a director, you try to. Keep it, you know, uh, reeled in. It's it's its own thing, so it's going to become its own thing. 
So it's always a trick to be like, okay, I know I need to let this breathe and it's going to become like I can control it to a point. But yeah, it's such an interesting, like life theaters like blows my mind sometimes because it's, you know, what you see that night, the next person's not going to, and even, even the person sitting next to you is not experiencing the same thing. So it's such a, such a bizarre, bizarre thing. And that's what's so weird about comedy versus drama is because drama, it's like take nice person, add awful things. And most people are going to have the same reaction. The majority of the audience is going to be like, ah, or like have a feeling of empathy towards them. But sense of humor is such a subjective thing. And what some people might find funny, some people might have a really dark, depraved sense of humor and other people might have a very light sense of humor. And so if you go to one side or the other, you're going to get a completely different reaction so it is it's comedy is in my opinion it's it's more difficult in a lot of times than drama yeah i think uh, i mean and what you're describing is is art yeah. uh, and the only difference is is that when you paint a, a, a painting or a portrait or something there's something left afterwards you have something to point at and say i did that mm-hmm. um with theater even if it's a video or whatever, I guess you can point to that and say that I, I did that. But it's not the same uh, because it's you're creating it knowing from the beginning that when the show is over, that's the end of that art for that night. And you come back the next night and create the same art or similar art. And, and it may not be interpreted the same way. Uh, drama is difficult sometimes too because you have to as an actor a lot of times i find myself wanting audiences to like me i want them to like me i don't i don't want them to not like me but sometimes in dramas and and even in scrooge uh one of the things i strive for at the beginning of the of of christmas carol with scrooge is that i want people to not like me because he's not a nice guy and so in in Scrooge's case, you want that because the journey has to be that at the end, when he becomes a nicer guy, uh, it's it's palpable. People can feel it. They understand it because the journey has you've made the complete journey. Uh, in dramas that are really heavy, sometimes even by the end of the show, you you have people you know, booze are as good as applause sometimes because you've done the job. If somebody comes up and says, you know, I really did not like you, and if it wasn't like I didn't like your performance, that's one thing. But if they said I didn't like your character, I didn't like him, he was not likable, sometimes that's what you have to go for. And that's tough because you it goes against your nature to, to have that. But that's your job at different points. Um, so they're very different. Uh, like I said, comedy, I think is comedy is really very hard. Uh, drama is, is something. And I don't do a ton of heavy drama things. Most of the things I do are Scrooge-like in there. Um, but I, I love doing both of them. I love doing comedy. Um, I, it's one of those things that, again, it's, it's, such a, it's such a challenge to try to make people laugh. What's funny? I don't know what's funny. Well, in Christmas Carol itself is not... It's not just drama for two straight hours. Dickens is smart in knowing that if you make everything important, then nothing becomes important. So there, there are highs and lows um, in the story. And sometimes it's really important to see how much fun the other characters are having and where Scrooge is missing out. And that's a really important thing. So it's not like it's a two-hour downer. Um, it's actually a pretty uplifting story. There are moments, of course. But, you know, that's the, that's the nice piece about it. I, I think an, a piece of art should have a little bit of everything in it. 
for it to be real life because nothing is ever all sad and nothing is ever all happy. It's a little bit of everything. So that's what I think makes Dickens' story like so so damn clever is is how well crafted he has placed all of the uh, hills and valleys. Yes. <laughs> I agree with everything he said. <clears throat> <laughs> How many people do you think have like gone to Christmas Carol and had their lives, or watched it and had their lives actually changed? Where they're like, you know what, I'm gonna, I was a little bit too much like Scrooge, and now I'm gonna change and, you know, be a better person. I think, maybe start yeah. to give some of my money away or something. <laughs> I don't know. I think that um, hopefully everyone, hopefully everyone takes that nugget and even if it's just because it's Christmas um, that it happens because you know there again Dickens was was smart enough to realize that that was the perfect time to do, to do this story was because that's the chance that's the that's the time of year when you can do that and I think maybe if you leave the theater and you drop a dollar in the little red kettle where the guy's ringing the bell or whatever. Maybe that's all it is. But if that's enough, if that's what the show or the story tells you and gives you the motivation to do, then good. Then that's that's the whole idea. That's So hopefully everybody... Now, as far as big changes go, um, I, I've told this story a couple different times, and I've even told our cast uh, this, this year. When I did the the show back in 2012 and I was Scrooge for the first time I got done with one of the productions and I went up to meet some of the people in the audience and they were hanging around and I I don't even remember who it was specifically but they came to me and they said how much they enjoyed the show you know which is you know normal for people to say even if they didn't you know they say oh we really enjoyed the show that lighting was great but um, uh, this particular time they said you have added to the enjoyment of our family's holiday. And it struck me at the time, and I've never forgotten it, because not many times do you do something that someone will say, you have, you have really affected a portion of our lives and we've, you've made it better. You've changed it and you've added to it. And I was like, well, that's really cool. That's something as an actor you don't get very often. And... And I attribute it more to, again, the story being what it is because it's such a good story. That's why it's a classic. That's why it's still. That's why everybody in the world has done a version of it. And um, and so those are the things that that I hope people will take away is that moment of hey, you know what this? Yeah, this has made me happier. This has made me better. This has made me look at something a little differently. That's hopefully what we have. What have been your favorite roles that you've done, and why? Um, well, you know, like I said, Scrooge is still one of my favorites just because it's so deep, and I keep finding things with, with Scrooge. Um, gosh, that's a tough one because I've done a lot of roles in my day. Um, I played a role in um, – Sean Leary wrote a, <laughs> wrote, a, wrote a great review of uh, Moon Over Buffalo where he pointed out that I had created a character that was um, – he actually understood the show, which I thought he was sleeping most of the time. <laughs> I was really good at like, okay, Sean, Sean, wake up. But, no, he actually was paying attention, and so um, I, I liked that. I like that role. Um, and not just because of you, but because, 
it's nice that you were awake long enough to see my my performance so i appreciate that and um uh, but there's 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 a lot of them. I, the least uh, I can do, Doug. Yeah, well, never be said you didn't do the least you could do, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, let's see. Um, uh, Markinson in A Few Good Men was one of the roles that I really liked. I really enjoyed, and it was it was uh, you know a heavy drama, uh, dramatic role. I you know get to shoot myself at the end, which. A lot of people wish I would do all the time in shows, but they're not going to give them that pleasure. Not going to do it. Um, so that was a good role. There's just, I, I, you know, again, I, it's hard for me to to really pick out a lot of them because I enjoy them. I enjoy them all for different reasons. They're like your children, and you love them all for different reasons. Even the scrawny ones and the sickly ones. Like Tiny Tim, when he's not singing Tiptoe Through the Tulips. That's right. When he's got a broken ukulele string. That's right. Yes, he gets very sad. I think so, because... um, (laughs) It's tough having a broken ukulele string. It is, because you only have four strings to start with. Right. So that's not a lot of choices. Yeah, you have to sort of... um, But, uh, yeah. Um, So... I love all the roles. I love them all. I'm an actor. That's what I do. <laughs> so what do you have planned for the future? What are you looking forward to? What would you like to do? What do you, you know, what do you got on the horizon here, Doug? I would like to have a refill coffee right now. That's what I'd like to have. But um, let's see. <laughs> Tristan, chop, chop. <laughs> Garcon, uh-huh. can we have some coffee over here, please? Um, cream, two sugars. Uh, let's see. On the horizon, well... I'm going to live through Tech Week, which is, you know, always a challenge. Uh, I, again, I hope that uh, I can continue to do what I'm doing and, and being an actor and a performer for a while yet at at my age. I'm not a, a young man anymore. I'm not old. But you have to keep thinking about when when is it going to be the time that you're going to not be able to do this anymore for whatever reason. And... Uh, so uh, I hope to keep on doing it. I hope to keep on getting paid to um, to do it. Uh, Countryside Community Theater is not paying me to do Scrooge. Just want to make that clear. I'm volunteering to do that because I love the show. And they're trying to get their feet under them again, which is something I can do. Um, I can't necessarily donate to them money or things like that, but I can donate my time and and, and help them with that. Uh, well, I, most local theater doesn't pay, so you know they're they're hardly alone in that respect. No, other than Circa Twenty One, there are very few places that actually pay the actors. Yes, the Circa Twenty One obviously is is the place to to be, and we're so lucky to have that. I mean, I've said this before to to be an actor that wants to, as part of my living, do that. Um, I'm lucky. To have that in my backyard city of clinton showboat uh, also pays uh, and i do go there and work in the summer and there's some stipend based uh, theaters around the area too that give a little something gas money or whatever and and that's fine too but um let's see roles that i want to do from here on out um boy i don't know tristan what do you got? <laughs> How much money you got in your pocket right now? Put it on the table. We'll talk. Um, let's see. I think, um, you know, I said, Tristan and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and, and I said, you know, I've never done The Odd Couple. 
I'm at the age where every old guy, you know, you got every old guy, you got to do that couple at some point. Yeah, that's. I, I think you, that would be a good role for you. Yeah, I, I would like to. I have either one, really. I mean, yeah. either Felix or Al. And that's actually a really great show, like it that is. no one really, really gives is. credit for because it's done so often, uh-huh. and people usually butcher it. But Neil Simon's a smart playwright. Yeah. Like, is. and that script is brilliant, and very rarely does anybody like do it justice. I think uh-huh. because they're like, oh, odd couple, that's easy, but then they don't mind. They just don't mind for like the, the comedy that's in there. Those two characters put together, like those two are great, and I love that show. And um, I've been involved in a few bad productions of it over the years, and I really wish somebody would do it so you could get the right actors in it and really rock it. So that's on the list of mine to try to get done in the area at some point. Well, there you go, Doug. Yeah, I think. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay, sign me up. Um, yeah, I think what, what Tristan said was very true, and I think one of the things that. I don't want to say ruined, but I'll say ruined. One of the things that ruined that show is the fact that there was such a successful TV show, and everybody wants to make it like that. Mm -hmm. And that's a big mistake. And they want to make it, they want to force it to be funny. And it doesn't need to be forced to be funny. It's funny. Mm -hmm. It's, It's funny written. So if you just let the words be funny... Uh, and then get people who are actually sort of funny to begin with to deliver them. Um, it, it can be a really good show. I always wanted to do that show at, with another actor who was willing to learn both roles and then have the audience decide the night that they show up, have a vote on which person plays which role. That would be fantastic. That's and brilliant. just because... That is such a cool idea. Just because as an actor, it would be super stressful and scary because mm-hmm. I mean you really have to have your shit together because otherwise you're gonna you know like how exciting would that be though as, a, as so you cool. know what I mean that's a great angle yeah. uh-huh. I love that and that means that you don't get stuck into again you have to create two very different characters for the same show and that should also be a uh, something that keeps an actor on their toes and stuff so that's you know, one of those things I wouldn't mind doing um, Tristan and I have talked about a show that I, I don't what's Chris Brown up to lately He'd be an interesting pairing with Doug on yeah, that show. Did you know Chris Brown? I don't know if I do. Man, he's one of the best actors in he town. Really and he doesn't do much anymore. But I'm telling you, this dude, I can't even tell you how good he is. Like, it's insane how good he is. And it's sad that he doesn't do much anymore. Yeah, he, used so to do, he used to do comedy all the time. And I saw him in a show. I want to say it was Playcrafters. And there was this little moment in the middle of this comedy where he had to get frustrated and angry. And there was this hint of menace to him that was really strange and, and awkward in juxtaposition to the rest of the show, which is very comedic. And so when Tristan and I were producing The Pillow Man and I was directing that show and I was thinking of who I wanted to cast, immediately I wanted to cast Chris Brown. And everybody was like, Chris Brown? Why are you cra- casting Chris Brown? All he does is comedy. And I'm like, trust me on this, trust me, because the role he played is like has a very distinct air of menace and edge to it. And Chris came out and he just killed it. He killed it. He was so so good. And everybody's like jaws dropped because everybody was used to seeing him in these like light comedic roles. But yeah, he's a terrific actor. I think that he and the two of them together on the Odd Couple, and then you could switch it. That is a great. That'd be a great combo. Yeah, it was just it was one of those things that I thought, and, and it's not a new premise. I, no. It's been done before, yeah. but but it's one of those when I when I heard about it, I'm like, yeah, that would be, again, for an actor, something that is a stretch. And that's mm-hmm. kind of one of those things that no matter where you are, uh, it's good to stretch yourself in different, you know, in different sort of ways and, and try to get that across. Um, Tristan and I have talked about a show called Blackbird 
Um, it's playing on on Broadway. I think is it still playing or is it just closed or? Okay, um, and it's uh, the story of a. Um, a young woman who confronts someone that molested her as a as a child comes to his workplace. He's he's done the time and he's moved on in his life and he's in a different spot and all these different things and he's paid the price for his mistakes. And then she shows up in his life again and confronts him about these things. It's a very it's just two people and it's it's a heavy show, but oh my gosh, what a what a great uh, you know thing to have to. To try to portray um, in, in the emotions that that you must have to try to do to do to do that. Uh, Jeff Daniels did it on Broadway, and he's one of my favorites anyway. And um, it's so, a cool yeah. piece. It's really dark, so it's a tough one for anybody to do. Um, but it's always been on my radar too. And for a while, the rights were not available because of the Broadway mounting. But uh, man, it's a cool piece. If anybody ever gets a hold of it, gotta call Doug. <laughs> Doug's the guy. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, hopefully I'll still be alive. <laughs> I mean, Isn't that what we all hope, Doug? Tick, 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 yeah. tick, tick, people. Let's go. Um, you know, and that goes for everybody, you know, not to mention any names in Hitchcock. But, there, you know, you better hurry up because, um, you know, time is wasting. But, um, you know, other roles I've I've been working on uh, for no particular reason. I'm going to mention it again, and it's boring. But um, I, I got interested in Clarence Darrow as a as a a human being and his career and his life through some other uh, things that I had seen. And so there is a one man show uh, called Darrow and uh, it's, uh, it has been done a few times. Um, Henry Fonda did it back in the seventies and it's actually, they filmed it and it's on YouTube so you can actually watch it. Uh, And it just goes through his life and some of the things he did. He was a very interesting character and his career, of course, he, you know, best known for the Scopes trial and things like that. But he did a a lot of things with, uh, you know, working with unions and coal miners and then later on in his life with civil rights and things like that, that, um, that sort of pushed the boundaries of, uh, you know, big businesses and governments and things, and got a lot of things changed uh, in his career. Uh, and there were some things that he he wasn't the squeakiest clean character in the world either. Uh, there were some things that may or may not have happened. But uh, at some point, it would I wouldn't mind having a venue to try to do that show just because uh, I've I I own the script and I mean I don't own it I purchased it but. Uh, and uh, and I've memorized some of it just because then I have some monologues for audition things like that too. But it's a very interesting story, and uh, maybe someday there'll be a venue or something where there'll just be me on stage by myself, and it scares me a little bit. But that's okay. It is a really cool piece. I read it last year, um, and I have some thoughts on how it can get produced in the area too. Um, but it's really neat. And Kevin Spacey just did it actually. Yes. Um, last year in New York in a stadium of all places but um, yeah it's a really really cool piece and I think there's a lot of stuff out there and what tends to happen in the Quad Cities is we recycle the same thing over that's how we got started with My Verona too is everybody was recycling like when we got started with My Verona back in 2003 I think the the tipping point for me was being a local theater critic and seeing six or seven productions of Grease in the same year Uh, and it was Grease Sound of Music in Oklahoma there were multiple productions of all three of them and I I just I remember writing a column about that and just saying, "Geez, people! I mean, yeah. 
why do you, we have to produce the same stuff over and over and over and over again? And then we got together and we're like, you know what? Let's do it. So it's kind of like this. Like we're sitting here talking about all these great scripts and I'm thinking, yeah, let's do this again. Let's start producing shows. These are all really good. And then I remember, oh, yeah, that's right. Then we're at the theater until 3 and 4 in the morning because it's a lot of work. But then you got to remember... There's, and it doesn't make any money. The shows, yeah, the shows that, that make money, you know, are not the ones we're talking about. Right. Um, but you know, I contradict myself too because I'm like, I'd love to do the Odd Couple, even though that's not every couple years. Mm-hmm. But um, that's just because of the art of it, more or less. But yeah, it'd be nice to see stuff like that done again. But there has to be an audience for it, right? You right. know, because there things cost money, and it's not like if no one shows up, oh, you don't have to pay for that. Eh, you still have to pay for it, whether or not anybody shows up, right? And that, you know, so there. At some point, I think the area and the area is, I think, getting more sophisticated. I do. Um, I think you know the Renaissance that began in 2003, I guess. So 15 years later, there is that happening where that Renaissance is starting to come about, where we are finding. Um, an audience for that. like the Quad City Theater Workshop does an amazing job an amazing job with finding those works that people will come out and see so I think eventually you're going to see a lot of the other groups in town I mean Playcrafters is well I think yeah them Playcrafters has done a good job with the late night series and stuff and Black Box and, and they're, the audi- they're finding that audience it's just it's taken a minute to get there and it took a lot of us failing early on I think <laughs> to to find uh, that success that others are enjoying essentially so and uh, some of us will then hop on that train again and be like, ha we started this, and now you're reaping the benefits, and now I want some, you know? So, and along with my tulips. <laughs> and on that note, um, Doug, any, any last words um, about, uh, you know, stealing tulips from gravesites or, you know, breaking ukulele strings or anything of that nature or anything else that actually is germane to the show? Well, kids, you know, stay Tell in- people how to get tickets and where to go and all that stuff and when the show is being performed and all those other sure. great things. Sure. Uh, stay in school, kids. Don't steal tulips from graveyards. It's not, it's not what we do. Uh, come out and see A Christmas Carol. It's going to be out in Princeton, Iowa. Uh, we open this Friday the 14th of December, and we run through the 22nd to just two weekends. And you can get tickets online at their website, which I don't know. You'll have probably have some sort of a you know, post about that, won't you? I'm sure you will. Um, and um, you can you can buy those there. And please come and, and support. You know, live theater in the Quad Cities, wherever it is, because uh, we're very fortunate to have as much as we have in the area. But you know, art is one of those things that if you ignore it, it will go away. And we don't want that to happen. So uh, support it when you can. By buying a ticket, seeing a show, and especially Christmas Carol, because it's a feel-good family show. Bring the kids, teach them a lesson, you know, and uh, make them sit there for a couple of hours and and uh, put down their devices or something, right? And uh, um, other than that, uh, you know, happy holidays to you, Sean. <laughs> and happy holidays to you, Doug. Sure, absolutely. We will, um, I'm sure, you know, think about you when we're carving our Christmas goose. <laughs> I have no idea what that means, but that sounds disturbing, Doug. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I wonder how you. The way that he says it too. Razzleberry really dressing. Uh-huh. If you haven't seen uh, Mr. Magoo's Christmas Carol, if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a while, please watch it again because it's one of the best versions of it. Just saying. I mean, mine's the best. But Mr. Magoo would be number two. Scrooge McDuck <laughs> is three. Muppets is four, and Bill Murray is five. Thank you for clarifying that, Doug. And thank you for appearing on QC Uncut. 
your show here in the Quad Cities for uncut, unedited, uncensored conversation. Is we're the it unedited? Na- it is. Yep. It's unedited. We're the we're the number one ranked podcast in the Quad Cities. Really, Doug? Wow. We are. So you are you have now been a guest on the number one rated podcast in the Quad Cities. Wow. So thank you to our guests today, Doug Cootsley, and thank you to Tristan Tapscott as well, and thank you to you the wonderful people who listen to our podcast. I'm Sean Leary. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye.